Welcome to That Happiness Show. I am Gemma Fossett, host and creator. I bring you my 25 years experience in finding happiness. You are the creator of your reality and thus you do create your happiness too. This is no longer about chasing the dream, but learning to stand in your power and receive. I am frequency expert, artist, teacher, and grateful mommy, here to guide you with the tools, ideas, and education around raising your frequency, learning to be present, and finding the happiness you deserve. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, welcome. This is Gemma, and I'm so excited to be speaking with you today. This is going to be an odd topic because it's about a book I'm reading and the feeling that I get inside me thinking about running. So the book is called Born to Run, and this is the second time I've read it, and it is fantastic. Like, I'm right at the very end, and I and I just dread finishing it because I don't want to finish it. And the whole like book is connecting the dots between the human and running and how over the last hundred years, we've kind of more drifted away from uh, running for so many reasons. And one of them is the running shoe. Go figure. And it's maybe not even less. Yeah, maybe it is the last hundred years. Um, but whenever the running shoe started. But before that... Um, no, I guess it was since then. Okay, so then there have been Aborigine communities and Indian communities in Central America that have also drifted away from running um, and for other conveniences like um, roads to their town, allowed vehicles, so then they started hitchhiking instead of running. And um, in other towns, um, they were given access to jobs uh, maybe that precluded... Um, me, um, Maybe it was a community that ran and traveled. Um, we call that wandered, you know, there's no name for it. Communities that wander and set up their homes in different places. Um, and that they hunted by running. And when the communities uh, became more stationary due to jobs available, which were horrible, by the way, horrible jobs for these Aborigines, um, they forgot or they lost um, that connection with running. Now, it's just fascinating to me because it's talking of, like about the fact that we used to run or, um, yeah, run as communities even in a lot of these old um, style communities because we would travel together. Women, babies, elderly, and the... Um, the men, they all traveled as a group while they chased down food um, and the women all participated too. It just was amazing to me that this was a community effort. And there's a little thread in this book of showing how powerful it is to be community oriented. And there's this one runner and his name's Scott and he's, a, he's, a, he's one of the best runners in America uh, in ultra marathons. And his compassion, this is what's super cool to me, the compassion that he has for others is partly what makes him a good runner. I mean, not a good runner, a great runner. It's like, I guess, um, it, to me, it's mind-blowing that the guy who wrote the book considered it important enough to add that in. It's making me want to cry. So this guy was tormented by other kids in school that he couldn't keep up and he couldn't run. And yet 
he still ran with them, and these kids made fun of him, and he was caring for his mother through cancer, and the hardship of caring for her got him through, like, the hardships of running, and this is what's really cool, so then, when he ran ultra marathons, he always, no matter when he finished the run, he always stayed around and rooted until the last person got across the finish line. Now imagine running an ultra marathon and you're exhausted and wiped and your your body's in shock and and then you wrap a blanket around you and you stay there for hours waiting for the last person to cross and, and hooping and wooing and you know, excited for every person coming across and celebrating them. That is community and it's like so cool. And then later in the book that guy Scott was on I, I I guess he showed up for the the marathon of like the the most like unheard of marathon ever between all of these Indian tribes and Americans, American great runners, and he was like not he was running in he was running with this guy who was not a marathon runner. He was running with him in the back of the pack, and then later running up front and. It's just like, but the guy couldn't understand why he ran at the back with him. And then he remembered. And it's like he put all these pieces together. That this guy had a compassion that was so deep that included the entire group as a community. It's like, oh, that just makes my heart swell. I mean, I almost can't even speak of it because it's just so lovely and beautiful. But then on top of that, throughout the book is this component that the running shoe is harming people. So people aren't running because there's doctors telling them, you're not built for running, you're too big for running, you're going to get injured running, you have to stop running. And holy cow, so that this is like an aspect, an intrinsic aspect of being human. Uh, or that's what he's, he's saying uh, that we're, we're kind of falling away from. But we're being told it's not intrinsic. We're told um, humans are walkers, they're not runners. But then he brings in towards the very end of the book this amazing, amazing uh, evidence that no, man has evolved into a running machine and it's the engineering of the human body that makes it a running machine. And they compared it to all the other animals. And not only is the human body a running machine, but it is a machine designed for marathons. Now, this is mind-blowing to me. It's just like, holy cow. It is the only, um, it is the only mammal on the, on the planet that self-cools as it runs. All the rest, they cannot self-cool while they run. Maybe while they trot, maybe they have to like, you know, like come down to a jog or a trot and maybe then they can cool, but not while they're running. And this is unique to humans, and it's what allows humans to be able to hunt on foot without weapons, but to run down other animals. It's just like amazing. Not that I'm a meat eater, I'm not a meat eater even, but this gave humans this advantage over um, earlier, earlier um, human, <clears throat> human peoples. So, 
Uh, it's amazing. And it's probably one of the, the things that allowed humans to start moving across continents more too, because I mean, these ultra marathon people, they, they can do like a hundred miles a day, um, for many days, a hundred miles every other day. And, uh, I would imagine as communities, they could even cover 300 miles a week or something as a community because they, they knew how to move. <laughs> that is just so amazing to me. And I guess if you're using whatever's available to set up camp and you don't have to haul everything with you, you can move even faster. So, so super amazing. I'm having my green powder. I got to loose here. So this kind of uh, brings me around to my own experience with running. And let me go connect the dots of my own running experience. Ah. <sighs> And I am delighted to do this because it brings me joy. And yet it made me wonder what the heck happened. You know, what the heck happened? Okay, so this has, there's not a lot to it. I'm going to tell you right off the bat. As a child, I ran. I loved running. I loved moving. It felt amazing. I don't remember getting tired from it. That's what I remember. I just don't remember getting tired. Move uh, forward a smidge because <laughs> I'm thinking when I'm young. Um, and I can remember moments when I was like a young teen, right? I'd go visit my cousins in Michigan and we'd play ghosts in a graveyard and I could, I could keep up with those boys. You know, we were running and we were dodging and never got tired. And I felt like I could, I was flying. I felt like I could fly. And then, um, I remember going to this one dance. I didn't go to many dances, but I went to this dance with my friend Jennifer. It was a church dance. And I could remember this feeling when I was dancing of flying. And um, at one point, because it was in the church hall, and at one point I leaped off of this this platform that was like three feet above um, the another floor. And it had these wide stairs, you know, like just elongated, like a stretched out stairs. And I just leaped from the top and I remember landing and it felt like, it felt like I just didn't, it just didn't even feel like I leaped or anything. It just felt like flying. And I was floating when I landed, I was so light on my feet. Now, mind you, I've gone all my life barefoot. We would throw shoes on to go to church. We'd throw shoes on to go to school. But other than that... Um, I, I don't wear shoes that much. I, you know, throughout my day, I just don't wear them all the time. I, I'm not in them if I'm home and I'm home a lot. I don't wear them in my studios, my art studios. Um, so my feet are, um, you know, like a lot more natural, I guess you would say. And I always thought that was like, oh, you know, I did myself a disservice because, you know, they're wider, um, my, my toes splay out more to grab things. Anyway, go for it a smidge. And um, people were running around me for the purpose of exercise. Now, running in school, that didn't feel good to me. And I would get cramps. That just did not feel good to me. And then um, in, in school, we ran in tennis shoes also. Uh, and... I was not fond of tennis shoes. You know, this is the beauty I feel of being in alignment with your body so that your body can talk to you and you can listen to it. And I didn't really know I was listening to my body, but I can tell you that 
whenever I was in a tennis shoe aisle, I always liked those running shoes and stuff. Now, if it was just the ones that were like the canvas, you know, um, slip-ons with the rubber soles, those I was fine with, you know, the, those was fine, but I was not great with the, with the shoes that fit your feet like a glove. I never loved those. And I didn't know why till I read this book. Um, yeah. And so I've never been a fan of tennis shoes. I'm not even a fan of buying them for my daughter for probably the same purposes because they just don't work for me. And, um, so when I was in high school, I think I was like 14 years old. Um, I decided, I think I was a sophomore and I just kind of felt this freedom and hunger for running, for jogging. And I let my mom know I was going to start running in the morning before I got ready for school. Now, this meant I had to get up wicked early because my bus came at 610. And my normal habit was to get up at 430. So now I was getting up at 330 and running and um, and going for a run. Well, after a couple of days of this, my mom just thought this is totally inappropriate. And she didn't like the fact that I was out there running. And I don't know what her reason was, but she decided to go with me. And this is that um, component of of 3D that we're, we've thrown into our lives that have dismantled the beauty of our natures, right? Of As of being 5D, 5D unconditional love creatures. So my mom came along and she was running ahead of me and, um, and it just didn't feel as good. Like I wasn't, I wasn't in that same space I had been the day before that and the day before that running. I wasn't like in my own zone. Here was my mom ahead of me, kind of pushing me, telling me to catch up. And we get home and she kind of like, you know, teases me about the fact that I couldn't keep up with her. She can run faster than me. And that was the last day I ran. And um, because it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun. And think of that guy, Scott, you know, just celebrating every person coming across the, the thing and running with the slowest person in the pack, uh, just to really be, be there for the, for the whole tribe, you know, the whole community, the, whatever the community was in that moment. So, um, then go forward a year and I wanted to join the crew team in my um, school. And I mentioned this to my mom and her response was, well, you know, they have to run and you know, you can't run. So, um, I don't think that's going to work. So um, I didn't pursue that and I didn't have any extracurricular activities. So that kind of like just, that was the end of it. And I didn't think much of it. Now I did um, then, uh, you know, fast forward way far. I married my first husband, we got divorced. And then um, we've stayed friends, really good friends. And since the divorce, he took on running and he started to run. And he really enjoyed it. And I was just mesmerized by this. It just, and then he got injuries from running and he had to take a break. And he was saying things like, yes, you know, um, I won't be able to run anymore and I, I miss it. And it was like flying for him. He loved it. And now I'm thinking maybe it had something to do with the shoes because, you know, everyone thinks they have to have these running shoes. And what if running shoes as this book you know, shows with study after study, what if running shoes are hurting people? And what if running shoes was one of the big impediments and also just knowing form. And that was a big point in this book that I just loved. Oh my gosh, I'm over time. But one of the big points was that when we're children, 
we just run. When we're children, we're barefoot more, right? We're running and we're using our best form for running. But then we unlearn it. And um, so then we're not running in our best form later. And we're not running with, I don't know, it's like there's a mindset for running that is ideal to the human form. And then there is this mindset that this jogging and stuff in the running shoe, the running shoe destroys the ability to run properly. The more expensive, the worse the, you know, the worse the, um, the stride. So, and, and that is fascinating. You have to read the book. It's so cool. Um, it's called Born to Run. I don't know. I have my copy here. Let me just get the author's name real quick. But the author is Christopher McDougall. So, what if that is a large part? What if we just ran and we just ran and, and this is what he also said. If suddenly there's an emergency and you just go for it, like you run to, you know, pull a kid out of the road, there's a car coming. And I did this recently within the last year, I, I heard the trash coming, the trash guys coming down the road in their truck. And it was like six thirty in the morning. I was like, Oh my God, I flew out of bed, ran downstairs, ran outside, got the trash, ran it to the street, went and got another can, ran that to the street, and I felt alive and flying. I did not feel out of breath. I felt like I could keep on running. I was so excited. <clears throat> and this is the kind of running. And when I did that, I was barefoot. So um, reading this book has come has brought me full circle, and it has made me want to run. It's also made me a little nervous. And this is where my nervousness comes in. And this has happened before with other personal growth things for me, is that I want to do it. I want to do it and I'm excited and I feel like I have the answer to what was bogging me down all these years. And yet I'm a little afraid that it won't work. Like the answer that I've been given isn't enough or I don't have it all put together. Like, but I don't know. I just feel like I have to go for it. I have to try it. And, um, I don't know. It's exciting. It's really, really wicked exciting. So um, I just wanted to share that with you. And so if you have felt, like I feel like if running is intrinsically part of being human, right? We are running machines. Then wouldn't it make sense that deep down we do have this desire to move and move fast uh, and and to do it under our own volition, you know, like just to take off and, and go and uh, see things and smell things and... I mean, when I'm in a car, it is so not like running. It, I mean, being in a car is, to me, um, nothing. It just doesn't even hold um, a candle next to motorcycles or horseback riding. But what if running is like motorcycle and horseback riding? And on top of that, the health benefits, oh my God! Our bodies are engineered for running, and so when they're running, they are um, they are fully operating, you know? Like, they're just like... There's a lot of good stuff happening. The organs are massaged. You know, the, the bones are put under pressure so there's an osteoporosis. There's, the blood is flowing and oxygenating. And it's just magic and a miracle. Oh, my God. So all of that means running. Running makes sense is what it means. All right. So this has been a long one. And I have to get ready to go to the island. I'm so excited. So have a wonderful, wonderful day. And I will... I will cross my fingers, put another podcast on tomorrow morning. I'm sending you lots of love and big hugs. Bye now. Thank you for listening.
for joining us on That Happiness Show. If you'd like more information or have questions, you can reach me at gemmafossett.com or 401-699-6142. Private sessions are available as well as retreats. It is time to wake up and learn to love yourself again. Thank you for listening. This is Gemma Fossett, host of That Happiness Show.